Hello everyone, Alan Mishra here from Vitality Explorer News with a new episode of the podcast. As always on Vitality Explorer News, we like to start with a quote, and here it is. The inner fire is the most important thing mankind possesses. And that's from Edith Sodergron. The inner fire is the most important thing mankind possesses. Now, we are going to be talking about the inner fire. We're going to be talking about how to live your most vital life. We're going to talk also a little bit about um, lessons I learned from attending four funerals and a wedding. And then we're going to finish with uh, learning about the connection between loneliness and inflammation. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as always on Vitality Explorer News, if you're enjoying this, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you find your podcast. And you can sign up for free for a text message version of this podcast at Vitality Explorer, excuse me, VitalityExplorers.com. Our goal is to enhance your physical, mental, social, and or spiritual vitality with scientific information and what I call sort of uh, info snacks or sort of little digestible pieces of information that are based on peer-reviewed public, published data. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about today, however, is sort of this overarching idea of how can we live our most vital lives. All right, that's really the core of what Vitality Explorers is all about. Okay, and that's a question that I'm going to answer with a simple concept, and we're going to kind of go slow through this this stuff because it's crucial. And after six years of scientifically studying the word vitality, here is my thesis. Vitality is a skill. And that's the goal is to try to understand how can I live a vital life? How can I li live a long and meaningful life? And my thesis, my hypothesis is that vitality is a skill. And if that is true, if that I hypothesis that vitality is a skill, here's a few things we should think about. We should seek to become better versions of ourselves every day. We should seek to identify our weaknesses, and all of us have them, and do whatever we can to improve upon them, regardless of what our chronologic age is or our circumstances. Number three, I got two more here. <laughs> I'm just reading these off my notes here. But we know that there are habits and behaviors we can work on to lead our more uh, lead more vital lives, and you know the, these habits are based on these eight. Parameters. So there's four basic engines that I think drive our vitality. That's our physicality, our mental well-being, our social well-being, and our spiritual well-being. But then the fuel that sort of supports those engines are toughness, hope, service, time, closeness, purpose, fitness, and sleep. And we've talked about all of these on Vitality Explorers. And you can look at a lot of data and more about this on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. So the reason I'm working so feverishly on this is that I believe all of us, each and every single one of us, has massive untapped potential. I really think we have this fire within us. We have this power to move mountains. But unleashing that power, stoking that fire, takes time, patience, and most importantly, effort. And we also need to understand, again, this is my opinion on this, but this is something I've been really, really working on, is that no one, no one can give us our vitality. It's something we earn by taking ownerships over, ownership over our decisions and choices. So one of my goals, one of my primary goals with Vitality Explorers is to take the friction out of how to optimize your effort, 
okay? Taking the friction out of how to optimize your effort to live your most vital life, all right? So that's what I do each and every week. I study the world's literature. I have lots of contacts uh, within and around the Bay Area and all over the world that people are sending me interesting things to, to digest. And what I try to do is pick two or three of them per week and turn them into six to 800 words on Substack or short podcasts that you can listen to or even just a text message or a 60 second video. So I'm trying to meet everybody where they may be with the time they have to be more vital. So uh, one of my suggestions again is to sign up at vitalityexplorers.com. You get the links to this podcast, the 60 seconds of vitality per week, and then the two or three things that I put up on, on Substack. It does take a lot of time and effort to do this, but it, as I've said before, it's something I love to do. It is, I have found a passion and a, a purpose for, for what I'm doing with my life, not only to help everybody who's listening, hopefully, but I do this to help myself, my family, my friends. And the goal, my goal is to be a guide uh, for pe people seeking to lead their, their best lives. Part of the reason I'm going through this with everybody right now is I'm in the middle of teaching my Stanford Energize Your Life class. I'm literally halfway through. Um, and I want to share with you a few of the ideas that we go through during that class, which is about four weeks. And, and I think we, ha we have to realize that we're all sort of on the same journey. Uh, we stumble and we need you know, ways to get up and rise again. Um, we also sometimes literally need people to carry us across the quicksands of life. We don't expect it to happen, but we're walking along and then all of a sudden whoop, we sink into a hole. Uh, and this is sort of obviously the metaphor of it, but all of us have had that. Um, but I think together, and again, this is, this is what we're going to be working on for the rest of this year with Vitality Explorers and especially into 2023, is a community of people who are committed to helping each other and themselves lead their best, best lives. So here are the few attributes that I have of what I call Vitality Explorers. And the reason I chose that word, Explorers, is that I, along with anybody else who's interested, will be continuously trying to identify, explore, and then adopt the best habits and information that we can to work on our, again, our physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. But here's a few of the things that I've sort of go through with my class and some core concepts. Uh, I'd love for people to comment on this, on either on, on this uh, podcast or on the Substack site, but here they are. Vitality Explorers dream greatly with consistent effort. Vitality Explorers dream greatly with consistent effort. They don't binge at the buffet of excuses. They learn how to silence the voice of judgment that pops up in their head. Vitality Explorers stockpile health, not just wealth. They learn to think with time and mind. They live in the now and they focus and refocus on trying to identify or pinpoint their peak purpose. Importantly, Vitality Explorers also cultivate closeness and they consider their attention precious. Um, this, we've talked a lot about the next one is Vitality Explorers consider sleep a superpower, but they also seek to spark hope in others and serve whenever possible. And finally, Vitality Explorers know that exercising relentlessly is the number one way to enhance your physical vitality, but it also helps your mental wellness and your social well-being if you exercise with others. And we learn as Vitality Explorers to metabolize pain into progress. 
because we're not going to avoid pain. We're not going to avoid adversity. We need a way to deal with it. So Vitality Explorers is just getting started. I've been at, at, at really trying to codify this into, into pieces of media, uh, written audio, video that people can digest and, and explore. But an epic journey is on the horizon. And I can tell you that it's going to be, I know it's going to be difficult um, and we, we may stumble. And I appreciate if anybody would send me any comments about what we're doing right, what we can do better. But again, that mission is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. All right. Now, in the context of that discussion we just had about how to live your most vital life or how to energize your life, I need to share with you what I learned at four weddings. Excuse me. That's the movie. Four weddings and a funeral. It's the opposite. Four funerals and a, and a wedding. So in the last year or so, I have attended four funerals and one wedding. And here's what I learned. Um, you know, I, I really learned a couple lessons from those tear-filled funerals and the joyous event of two people getting married. And I'm just going to list a few of these here. First one I, I learned, obviously, from the funerals is that you never know when your last best day will be. You never know when your last best day will be. You can get a cancer diagnosis. You could have uh, a family or friend or somebody else. Uh, something can change your life. And the second is that joy skyrockets when we celebrate the next generation of life. That can be somebody getting married. That can be a new new baby. That could be maybe a new baby furry animal too, by the way. Uh, we need to celebrate our animals as much as we can. And the next lessons I'm going to list for you are paraphrased from the amazing speakers that I have heard at these funerals. All right. And they were literally dropping dimes. All right. Here's a couple. Here's four. I'm going to read them. But these are paraphrased from speakers. First, live in the moment to make a memory last a lifetime. Live in the moment to make a memory last a lifetime. Number two, life has to end, but love does not. Life has to end, but love does not. Pursue significance, not success. And finally, the future can dissolve in a moment. All right. So the wedding was filled with adventures, laughs, and dancing. And you know, I, I you know, was at the delighted to be invited uh, to the a wedding of a, two of my best college friends. Son was getting married, and and when we were there and together, we we reminisced about our times at college. But then we got to see this next generation of young people who are getting together, committing their lives to each other, and it was. Absolutely fabulous. The funerals, as you might expect, were filled with like tears, hugs, but also lots of memorable stories. And at one of the funerals, this is this was really very recently, um, on the inside of the funeral program, there were three photos from the person's life. Okay, they depicted meaningful life, uh, meaningful events from that person's life, and that made me think about it. Maybe ponder what three pictures. Would I put on the inside what I would, excuse me, I would be dead, right? But what would I be, want to be put on the inside of my funeral program? It's a really odd thought to contemplate when you're still alive and healthy. And, and I love to take pictures. I've been taking pictures since I was a teenager. I had one of those point-and-shoot cameras. Uh, I have boxes of old prints and thousands of photos on either hard drives or Google or Amazon. But how do you reduce your life to three pictures? How would you choose those? And, and I, I really kind of I guess kept me up a little bit the night after the funeral 
And I was thinking about something and I came up with this idea of, I hope that at least one of those, those memorable and amazing events in my life is still in the future. Or if you're much younger than I am, how can you think about those three, three pictures? I think it's a weird but interesting exercise and maybe, maybe I'm acting a little crazy about it, but I think if you think about it in that context of what are the pictures that would be on the inside of your funeral bulletin, of your funeral program, it'll help you make and plan a, a, a more vital life. All right. And, and I think the interesting part about that is it's very scary, um, but I think it may lead to being able to create an amazing future event simply by thinking about it. All right. I know that's a little sort of this manifestation of it. But I really have been thinking about, can't I somehow in the next year create an event that I would really want to be on there? And most likely that would be with friends and family doing something that we all enjoy together. So I also have written in the past about the shovel next to the grave. And I'm just going to read a little bit about that. This came up when I was thinking about it at the funeral that I went to this week. But when I went to one last year, there was a shovel next to this fresh grave and it, and it just kind of was assaulting me saying, you know, you don't know when I'm coming for you. Um, and, and I think when we think about that, you really don't know. And, and then you want to turn it around and say, okay, I know at some point, as, as the, one of the speakers said, life has to end, but love does not. That has taught me to celebrate life now. And here's a few of the things that I want to emphasize that I think are important is that if we celebrate the lives of our friends and family every day by telling them how much we care about them, telling me how much, how much we love them, but also do that with your, your work colleagues, if you're working or the person who's checking you out at the grocery store or anybody else you encounter, just celebrate them and then celebrate your own life. And one of the things I'm doing with my Stanford class right now is having people create a fun diary. Like literally, are we going to ever be upset at our funeral? I guess we're not again, we're going to be there, but we're not going to be maybe conscious of it. But who wouldn't want to have a little bit more fun within reason uh, in your life? So creating a, you know, gratitude diary is something we've talked about, but can you proactively, you know, plan for some fun? All right, so this afternoon I'm going to be watching uh, a football game, and that's just one of one of my ways to absolutely have fun. Hopefully Michigan will win. By the way, for those of you who know me, I'm a diehard Mason Blue fan. So the second is to um, you know help those people who are challenged in this life by serving and supporting them with your time, your talent, and your treasure, um, and then try to just enjoy every single day even if it's not awesome. Try to understand what part of that could be valuable. And then think about these future stories, these future pictures that will paint your life and hopefully paint a very vital life for you. The final thing we're going to talk about today is loneliness. And that is unfortunately epidemic in our society, especially post-COVID. And, and this is going to be loneliness in the context of some interesting biology. All right. Aging is something all of us do, but one of the most specific and consistent me measures of aging is inflammation. So I call inflammation the enemy of your vitality. All right. Inflammation is associated with cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and reducing inflammation, I believe, is crucial, absolutely crucial to, to living healthy longevity. So who wants to live forever if you're miserable for the last decade or two of your life? 
the best way I think to reduce that risk of living longer, but living in a bad situation is to reduce inflammation. So I, uh, vitality explorers or what I call vital people will do whatever they can to decrease their inflammation. Now we have to pause for a second and learn a little biology because inflammation is in general, not bad for you. Okay. When you cut yourself, let's just use that as an example. How does your skin heal? So next time you cut yourself shaving or you scrape yourself, look at what happens over the course of a week or so. What first happens is you bleed, okay? You, know, you're, you're, you literally cut and you, you bleed. When the bleeding stops, hopefully well, the bleeding will stop. The platelets get there, they cause a little clot. And then what happens is there's an inflammatory response. And that's a cru crucial thing to help you to heal is that inflammatory response brings in cells from the bloodstream to help heal that wound. All right, that's a controlled form of inflammation, and and you know without that we wouldn't able we wouldn't be able to heal our skin. We also wouldn't be able to fight off infections because that's what inflammation does. It it brings in it looks like pain. You know, the four cardinal things of inflammation are pain, warmth, swelling, and redness. All right. Um, and again, if it's not infected necessarily, when you see it, you'll see a little, you know, swelling around a cut, a little warmth, maybe even a little bit of redness. Obviously, if it gets really bad, it could get infected, but that's a natural process. What's, what's a problem is when inflammation gets out of control. All right. Um, and, and who knew, not myself, who knew that loneliness is associated with higher blood inflammatory markers? But the rest of this discussion is up again on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. You can see the details, including some of the charts. Um, but what, has, what was found, and I'm going to quote from this, here's, here's you know, two things. Number one, what is the definition of loneliness? First, is here it is, quote, loneliness is defined as a subject, subjective, unpleasant psychological state of feeling alone that stems from a discrepancy between a desired and actual social relationships. And... Loneliness has previously been associated with increased risk of depression, cardiovascular disease, and all-cause mortality. That's, again, doctor speak or researcher speak for dying. So obviously, loneliness is not good for you. But what, what's kind of interesting is a growing body of evidence suggests that inflammation is one of the connections between loneliness and disease. Here's the specific conclusion from the paper, and we're going to unpack this for a moment. This is a little nerdy biology, but it's really, really important. Quote, we observe significant associations between loneliness measures and CRP controlling for age, race, race, BMI, and depressive symptoms. We observe significant associations between loneliness measures and CRP controlling for age, race, BMI, and depressive symptoms. So what is CRP? CRP, also known as C-reactive protein, is a really tightly validated measurement of infl inflammation. So your liver releases this protein into the bloodstream in response to inflammation. Normally, the levels are pretty low, but the higher the CRP level, the more inflammation in your body, it's not specific uh, or unique to, to a specific disease, but it can help monitor a disease process. So what this paper looked at um, was, again, loneliness and then trying to understand, you know, its, its connection to this molecule called C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation. OK, so um, they had to come up with a loneliness 
scale. And I didn't really know this, but I had to dig into it a little bit more that there actually is one. It's called the UCLA Loneliness Scale. And here are the three questions that people are asked uh, in that. It's a very short, short um, survey, but I think that's valuable because you can utilize that um, in, in a simple way doing research. But number one, how often do you feel you lack companionship? Number two, how often do you feel left out? And number three, how often do you feel isolated from others, okay? And then the scale they used had three response categories. Number one, hardly ever for one point. Number two, some of the time for two points. And number three, often. Okay, then you put those all together and then the, the, the scores for the individual questions are added and then you get a scale of three to nine. Uh, the, according to the UCLA loneliness scale, Three to five is considered not lonely. Six to nine is considered lonely, but it's on a spectrum, right? So it's everything from not, not at least lonely to most lonely. And what they found in the study, again, is that the more lonely you were, the higher your rate, your higher your level of CRP, the higher the level of inflammation. So we haven't proven that the other way around. Can we decrease it if we in, in uh, in uh, decreased loneliness. But I think this paper is really important. This is sort of what I call the Vitality Explorer Analysis and Recommendations. I think this paper provides robust evidence to suggest that loneliness in adults is associated with blood marker, inflammatory blood markers. And I think it should drive us to address the epidemic of loneliness that exists within our society. So if you're trying to decrease inflammation, do you take an anti-inflammatory drug like Motrin, Advil, or Aleve? Or do you just connect with somebody else? Could you drive your, your inflammatory markers down simply by hanging out with other people? Uh, and combating this loneliness could lead to lower levels of chronic disease and death. And I think it needs to be a primary priority for healthcare systems and public health institutions. Uh, and unfortunately, it just hasn't been talked about as much as it should. Uh, I'm hoping that highlighting the data about its connection to inflammation um, will will help us realize that that's really important. But I wanted to also share with you um, four ways to cultivate closeness. And for those of you who've been following the Vitality Explorer News podcast or seeing it on, on Vitality Explorer Substack site, you're, you're going to recognize these. But this is this is what we spend like a full session on in my class at Stanford. And here they here are the four top ways I have of cultivating closeness and hopefully decreasing loneliness. Number one is to just understand it's important. So that's what I've tried to emphasize in the last five minutes or so is that loneliness can literally kill you or it's certainly associated with a higher risk of serious diseases. And, and the second way to cultivate closeness, and I think this is crucial in this time right now where we're highly divided, is just be curious about other people's stories. Be, be slow to judge and high and, and fast to to want to understand somebody's perspective and, and how they got to where they are. Just be curious. The third one is to forgive friends and family to rebuild relationships or be the one that reaches out to somebody. So often we're waiting for somebody to reach out to us and we, maybe we have something in our recent or remote past that makes that a difficult thing to kind of reestablish that relationship. But Forgive them, for, try to forget about it even, and then try to rebuild that relationship, okay? Only in the context of obviously being safe. The final one is to practice scary sharing. We've talked about this before, but be vulnerable. Every single one of us has issues that we may or may not be wanting to talk about. But when you are vulnerable with somebody else, when you admit that you need some help, that 
creates closeness. And I think that combats loneliness. And what I'm trying to figure out is, does that really decrease your inflammatory blood markers? Because that's an amazing thing we can do for ourselves. So cultivating closeness and camaraderie is a massively important thing for your vitality. I think it's a, a fundamental component of our vitality that we don't really pay as much attention to. And it also can be fun. So, you know, literally just going out and having a uh, going on a hike with somebody else, going for a cup of coffee, um, just being with somebody else. And if you are lucky enough to have a lot of closeness in your life, share that with somebody else that you know may or may not need your time to just listen to what they're doing. Their vitality will rise, as will yours. So that's, that's it for this week's Vitality Explorer News podcast. Well, I, I hope that you will you know, review the stuff on the Vitality Explorer News a substack site, substack site, that's hard to say, um, about how to live a vital life, what I learned from four funerals at a wedding, and the data about how loneliness is connected to inflammation. Um, I really, again, enjoy doing this. Please sign up at vitalityexplorers.com for the free text message newsletter version of this. Share this podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, get out there and dare to be vital.